2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter number 1, just uh, not boasting, not complaining for orientation. I planted a church when I was 21 and single. God blessed it, but I would not recommend that. Planted another church when I was 24 and single, and uh, I turned the first one over to another man. Uh, the second one was involuntarily turned over to another man. And then I planted the church where I'm right now. We started that church in 1987. I was 28. My wife was 22. And we have, we have seen a lot of people come and go. A lot of people come and go. In fact, the, the ministers in our area should hold a banquet each year and thank me for all the people we've sent their way uh, through the years. But I, I have, the reason I say, I say that, I, I have never... In, in all these years, pastoring since 1981, I have never gone to God in thought or in prayer and said, if only you had addressed this in the Bible. If only you had told me in your word how to handle this. Never have I had to say that. The word of God is present truth for every present situation and circumstance and Second Timothy is, is really, it's an unusual letter for, for this reason. The Apostle Paul founded a church and trained and discipled its members and then turned it over to the best young man he had, Timothy. This is the church at Ephesus. And Timothy needs a letter from Paul because he is distraught and brokenhearted because so many things are going wrong in that church, he doesn't think he can continue. Now, my son says I'm really weird. I read the most depressing things in the Bible and get a blessing from them. But that's just how I'm wired, I suppose. What a blessing to my heart to know that Paul founded a church and Timothy pastored a church, and it's just like the one I'm in. You say, I must be doing something wrong. Probably not. Anybody could do a better job than I could. They'd probably do the same job you're doing. We have different personalities and different points of emphasis and different strengths and different weaknesses. But the only people God has to pastor churches are sinners saved by grace. And the only people God has with which to populate churches are sinners, some of them saved by grace and some of them not. And, and really, you're not, you're not going to get a different outcome if you try a different approach because you're the same and the people are the same. And it just, it just is what it is. And in all four chapters of 2 Timothy, there is a very serious uh, earth-shattering, if you, if you love the Lord and love your church, problem in the church Timothy pastors. And in all four chapters, the solution is offered to that problem, and it's not what you'd think. Heavenly Father, help me tonight to be a help to your people. Lord, I want to be an encouragement. I, I want every man that's come in here wavering to be strengthened. And I want every church member that's come in here discouraged to be encouraged. And, and Lord, I know I have an unusual way of, of looking at that, but I pray that you'd help me to be a help to your people tonight in Jesus' name and amen. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15, this thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Apostle Paul, you think he's a good preacher? The Apostle Paul, you think he's a good Bible teacher? The Apostle Paul, you think he had the power of God's Holy Spirit upon his life? 
people turned away from him. Now, now listen, not just, tur- not just people turned away, not just the guy that came one Sunday morning a month, not just the person that was hit and miss and, and more miss than hit. He named people. He, he, he wrote two names in that letter knowing Timothy would know who they were. Knowing that the church Timothy pastor would say, Phygelus? I never thought he'd turn on Paul. Hermogenes? That guy used to run our youth program. Listen, the, the, the idea that good man, solid man, trusted man, don't lose heart, don't lose interest, don't get bitter, don't, don't get, get caught up in some misunderstanding and the devil gets an advantage over them. It's been happening since the earliest days of the New Testament church. Do you understand? It's not your music, it's not your version, your translation, it's not the new configuration of your parking lot, it's just what people do. They're all in, then they're all out. They're in love with the Lord, then they're in love with Hollywood. It's just the way it goes. And Paul is writing to Timothy. Listen, the only reason he's he's addressing Timothy in this regard is Timothy has, has communicated to Paul, Paul, I just lost him. This can't be happening. Paul, I just lost that family. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. And Paul writes back and says, I can one up you. I lost these two guys. You say, how's that encourage me? Well, I'll show you the answer to it. Look at at verse number number 13. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Brother, you you know what the Holy Spirit's answer to you is when people quit? Don't quit. You know what the Holy Spirit's answer to you is when people lose heart and become indifferent? Don't lose heart and don't become indifferent. L- listen, Pastor, listen, I'm, 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 I want to help you tonight. You have no control over any other human being on the face of the earth. You can't control their heart. You can't control their mind. You can't control their desires. You can't make somebody come to church who doesn't want to come to church. You can't make somebody read and study the Bible who doesn't re- want to read and study the Bible. What you have to do is make sure their cold heart doesn't chill your heart. You've got to make sure their loss of enthusiasm doesn't rob you of your enthusiasm. The apostle Paul, Timothy wrote to Paul and said, this man is quitting and that man is quitting. Paul said, well, here's the report from my part of the field. This man is quitting and that man is quitting. Well, Paul, what do I do? Don't quit. Don't quit. You hold the form of sound words. You say, why? Because everyone doesn't want to quit unless you do. Everybody doesn't want to give up unless you do. You cannot lead everyone, but you must lead those who want to march. You cannot teach everyone, but you must be studied and prepared to teach those who want to learn. You cannot live anyone else's Christian life for them, but make sure you show everyone the Christian life is better than any other life. And if you want to quit, you'll have to quit without me. If you want to walk away, you'll have to walk away without me. I'm going to stay true to the word of God. Hallelujah. Now, now look, look what he said. It's not just... 
It's not just the, the, the words, and, and we, we heard a message on that this morning. We all agree the Bible's the Word of God. Brother Marshall mentioned it in his remarks tonight. We all agree the Bible is right. But look what he says. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. People leave and they say nasty things. Don't say nasty things. People leave and they become hurtful. Don't become hurtful. People walk away and they begin to manifest character that is not Christian. Don't let them influence your heart. Stay true to the word of God and stay true to the love of God, which he shed abroad in your heart. You can't make people love you. You can't make families love your family. You can't make church people love your church. But you can stay in love with Jesus Christ and you can stay in love with sinners. Bennett Collins was a friend of mine. I'm not name dropping, but he, he, was, he was a great man. He was the song leader for Oliver Green in the great tent meetings of the 40s and the 50s. He married Brother Green's sister, and he, he traveled as an evangelist up until the age of 92. At 93, on his deathbed, Bennett Collins was asked, my, my dear friend of the ministry was, was privileged to be there on his deathbed. He said, Brother Collins, what, what do I need? You've lived 93 years. You've preached God's word since you were 15 years old. Tell me what I need to know. And he said, son, love God and don't get bitter. That's it. Love God, don't get bitter. Listen, if you get your heart on the people who've left, you can't minister to the people who haven't. If you get your heart, your, your heart tied up in the people that walked away, you can't keep your heart on the people that are walking the right way. Amen. And so, so Timothy had people leave. Come on, don't act like I'm talking about something. I, I'm talking about every church in America. Every church in America. But they come and they go, they come and they go, they come and they go. You can't allow that to rob you of your love for the word of God and your love for souls and your love for people. You can control you and nobody else. And Paul told Timothy, control you. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 16. We got another problem in chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings. <laughs> a lot of that in the pulpit nowadays, a lot of that on the internet nowadays, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Do you know that the, the I believe it's true, I don't think I'm exaggerating, outside of a few small circles, the ministry today is aimed at encouraging professing Christians to live ungodly lives. No preaching against sin, no promotion of holiness, no rebuking of error. We just all sing Barney the Dinosaur songs and love each other and God's a great big Santa Claus in the sky. And, and, and what's it producing? Ungodliness. Someone mentioned last night, Congress, Senate, House of Representatives, all that. Those are the chosen representatives of people in your town. They're, they're not outliers. They're selected. You understand? So the, the, the problem is, well, problem is we don't have a church to counter the ungodliness anymore. You used to have the ungodly world and a godly church, but now the church is, what does what the world want me to say? And, and so verse number, verse number uh, 17, their word will eat as doth a canker. And he names people. 
of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth of Erd, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Now, listen, here's, here's some shocking news. You have Bible institutes, you have Sunday school classes, you have midweek services, you have, you have extra discipleship classes for people that are all in. You preach and teach the Word of God three times a week. How in the world could you get saved and trained under the Apostle Paul and let somebody show you a video and, and believe you missed the resurrection? I mean, this isn't some minor false doctrine. This is a total disaster. The resurrection happened and we missed it. We're still here. Who would believe that? People in a church where Timothy's the pastor. That's amazing. Brother, I have, I have tried my best to teach this Bible verse by verse, book by book, year after year. I can't believe I still have to fight infiltrating Calvinists and infiltrating Charismatics and infiltrating NIV and ESVers and infiltrating hyper this and hyper that and hyper the other thing. Why don't they just go to the churches that believe what they believe? You know why? Because if you don't have the power of God, you can't start one. You've got to steal one. That's why. If you can't win anybody to the Lord, you've got to get people somebody else won to the Lord. Paul, Paul, listen, Paul couldn't keep false teachers out of the churches he founded. Timothy couldn't keep false teachers out of the church he founded. And he couldn't stop them from eating away like a canker and carving out three families over here. And a year later, carving out two or three families over there. I don't care how godly your youth department is. I don't care how strong your youth worker is, your youth pastor is. There's, there's some teenagers in that group, backed up by their mother, standing against everything you're trying to teach ridiculing and mocking everything you're trying to do. Amen. Well, what do I do about it? I'll show you in a minute. It's in the Bible. I'll show you in a minute what you do about it. But, but you, you, can't, you can't bring yourself to the brink of despair and the point of quitting because you keep having these problems. God's had these problems in his church for 2,000 years. My father, it was, this was years before he, he got in church and, and gave his, his life to the Lord. But I was at his house one day, and he said, how's things going at church? And I, I shouldn't have, but I did. I just started complaining about this person, that person. He's not dedicated. She's not dedicated. This person isn't committed and that person. And he, he never talked to me. He just he listened to me from behind the newspaper. And if there's something I needed to hear, he would fold the corner of the paper down and, and, and speak ex cathedra from the chair and then put the newspaper back up. And I, I was going on about church people not being dedicated. And he folded that newspaper down. And he said, son, why do you think God made pastors? And put the newspaper back up. You're like, quit whining and do your job. <laughs> now, what's the answer here? What's the answer to people falling away because they embraced false doctrine? The Bible says in chapter 2, verse number 1, Thou therefore, my son. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who should be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Timothy says, Paul, Paul, they're teaching false doctrine. What do I do? Teach sound doctrine. 
Paul, they're infiltrating with, with crazy beliefs. What do I do? Make sure people know the right beliefs. You can't stop false doctrine. You, can, you, you just have to make sure sound doctrine doesn't stop. You can't stop people from turning aside into, into wacky stuff they see on the internet or crazy stuff they read in a book. Listen, people want to believe something weird. There's weird stuff in the Bible. I can show it to you. Stick with this book. No, no, no. You got you to gotta watch this guy. And Well, okay, fine. Listen, you know what Paul said to Timothy? Just find some replacements. You stay true to what I taught you, and if they don't want to follow what you were taught, you go get some more men, and you teach them what I taught you, and you keep going. Yes. Praise the Lord. You want to worship on the Sabbath? There's a church right down there. You want to do feasts and festivals and pretend you're a Jew? There's a place right over there. You want, you want to bark like a dog and, and fall over backwards? There's a church right over there. We're not doing that here. Then we're leaving. Okay, bye. Where's the replacement? Amen. You can't change the direction of the church every time somebody doesn't like where you're going. You got to decide who you are and what you are and ride with that for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. People are going to come and go. If you change to something else, you're going to lose a whole different bunch of people. It's just how it is. If you've been in this church 25 years, thank God for you. We've got them. A rarity. We've got, listen, we, we started the, the, in February 1987 with 10 people. The ones that aren't in heaven, all but one of them are still there. That's a blessing. But man, have we seen them come and go. Have we seen them come and go. I've got a pastor friend in Connecticut. His expression is, people love our church right up until they don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is the best church in the world. It was. But now look, look, he didn't just say, he didn't just say, stay true to the doctrine and train somebody else. Look what he said in verse number three. Thou therefore, not them, not the other guys, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I don't want to bring up any sad memories to any of you men. If you served, if you fought in battle, thank God for you. I sure appreciate it. I, I do. I mean that. I, my family, everybody, me, all the men in my family, military people, I thank God for it. But listen, those men, they meet, they get off that bus, and they, and they meet each other. They, they sit in that chair and get their, their crew cuts together. They go through basic training together. They get prepared to ship out together. They, they, they go over the battle plans together. They get out of that transport. They get on that beach. They start charging that hill and the bullets are flying and that man's best buddy right by his side takes one in the chest and down he goes and he's dead and your heart is broken a part of you is ripped right out of your your, your soul is shattered you can't stand there you're gonna die it's not a lack of love for that man there's a battle to be won and you've got to keep going and you've got to keep fighting Amen. Somebody asked me, people, I, I visit somewhere and people say, how'd you sleep last night? Uh, man, I'm, I'm like the president. I, I travel so much. I wake up. I don't know where I am. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel just like the man in the White House. But listen, I'll stay. I can, I, you can do it. Brother Saul does it. Uh, every one of us. You, can, you, you preachers, you can stay up all night long weeping 
about people who have fallen. You don't hate them. You don't want bad things to happen to their family. Your heart is broken, but you can't stand there on the beach and die. You've got to keep going and take that hill. And Paul said to Timothy, don't be hard-hearted, but endure hardness. Keep going. What did he tell him? In two chapters, Timothy wrote to Paul, we got some bad things going on here. And Paul wrote to Timothy and said, well, make sure you're not part of it. That's all you can control is you. Second Timothy chapter 3. There's a problem here in chapter 3. Second Timothy 3 verse number 5. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses. Jude talks about them too. The New Testament talks about creeps. They creep into houses and lead captive silly women. <laughs> Better, better move on quick from that one. So what's that mean? Your pastor will tell you next Sunday. Just tell him, say, preacher, I want a sermon on silly women. Uh, silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jannies and Jambres, you see it again? He's naming names. Withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Now, now I'm going to say something. I, 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 don't, I don't think the Lord has to come when things get bad in America. Because however bad they get here, they've been, they've been that bad in the rest of the world for a long time. I mean, the, so, the, the Soviet Union slaughtered millions and millions of Christians, and there wasn't a rapture. Chairman Mao slaughtered millions and millions of Christians. There wasn't a rapture. Hitler nearly exterminated Jews. There wasn't a rapture. Okay, so the, the fact that you're paying too much for gas doesn't mean the Lord has to rapture us. <laughs> right? That man, I've been saved a long time. I remember when I got saved in 1976, and there were suggestions that Jimmy Carter was the Antichrist. And, and then Ronald Reagan... Ronald, six. Wilson, six. Reagan, six. He's Antichrist. And then people thought, well, not Bill. Hillary was Antichrist. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and, then, and so every time somebody comes, Obama, he's Antichrist. I haven't heard one person say they think Obama's the Antichrist. <laughs> Have you? No, nobody's looking at that and saying, that guy's going to take over the world. <laughs> Look, here's what I was going to say. That, that, am I in the wrong place to say, say that? Anyway. It's always been bad. It's always been evil. But you're trying to pastor now in a day when, when men and women have in the palm of their hand the accumulated knowledge of 6,000 years of human history at the touch of a button. And it's a sewer of pornography and filth and anti-God reprobate conduct. And you say, I just go on there and watch sermons. But what do they suggest you watch right beside it while you're watching the sermon? What are they trying to pop up advertise while you're watching some man preach the Bible? And I'm telling you, we live in a day and age when you, when, when, when I was a boy, you, I'm old enough now, I said, when I was, listen, you had to go out and look for sin. 
Now it's in your hand. Every sin from every culture, every corner of the earth, every level of depravity, it's sitting right there at the touch of a button. You know what? You don't have to send people to somebody's house to laden them down with sins. You no longer have to infiltrate somebody's home or somebody's church to corrupt their minds. People are voluntarily submitting themselves to corruption and reprobation in their movies and their videos and their, their internet browsing. They are saying, come in and make me filthy, please. You got a pastor of that generation? I'm not trying to hurt anybody. But, but you're, you're not preaching like your fathers preached 50 years ago. You are not preaching to a congregation of people who are raised by a working father and a stay-at-home mother who, even if they weren't saved, live by biblical principles. You're preaching to people who don't know dad, who were molested by some stepdad or, or, or boyfriend, and their minds are twisted. They've, been, they've watched movies and, and Hollywood and television all their life, hours and hours and hours every day. And then they get saved and start living right. And all their Facebook Christian friends say, you don't want to go to a church like that. They're legalists. They'll put you in bondage. They'll make you follow all kinds of rules and regular. I love Jesus and I live with my boyfriend. We're in a mess. It's bad. It's really bad. And I told some pastors this afternoon, I'll I, I tell you this is the truth. The day used to be when someone, I'll just give an example. You, pastor invited me, talk, take it up with him. <laughs> the scripture's pretty clear. You can come to church or you can be a fornicator. But if you want to be a fornicator, you're not going to come to church. And the reason for that is so that you will miss church so much, you'll stop fornicating and, and get back in church. That, that was the purpose. Well, now... Nobody's ever out of our church. Their body's not here, but their social media tentacles are reaching out to all the young ladies in your church saying, they don't love me. They're not very kind. They're not very gracious. Jesus forgave me. How come they won't? I'm, I'm telling you, corrupt minds are trying to corrupt the people you're trying to lead in the path of righteousness. And he said, well, it's never been this bad. Timothy wrote to Paul about it and said, what do I do? Because yeah. it's always been that bad. We have better delivery systems for sin than they did. But it's always been that bad. What do I do, preacher? Chapter 3, verse number 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for, look, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Look, if you've got a King James Bible and disobey it, you won't be any better off at the judgment seat than man had an NIV and disobeyed it. Instruction and righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now, now, here's what he said. Timothy, you can't make those people be holy. 
you be holy. You can't make those people live righteously, but you live righteously. Control what you can control. Amen. We got too many preachers remodeling their lives and their church to accommodate the carnal desires of their church members. Paul told Timothy and the Holy Ghost told you, don't do that. In fact, listen, this, this, this is really a blessing. He said he didn't point to himself, Paul didn't, in, in this, as an example. He said, you know who taught you this Christian life? Your grandmother. Don't accept any standard lower than your grandmother's standard. Your mother. Isn't that interesting? Let me tell you something. Your grandmother, your grandmother would not have been hanging a rainbow flag in front of the church. Your grandmother would not have been going for all this. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do, just as long as you love Jesus. And Timothy and Paul said to Timothy, you want to stay in the right place? Where was the right place 50 years ago? If it was sin, it was, if it was sin when your grandmother was a baby, it's a sin today. If it was a sin when your mother got married, it's a sin today. Amen. People are going to leave. They're going to leave. Men come say, preacher, I just feel like the Lord's leading me to go somewhere else. Well, that's funny because he never led you to go on visitation. He never led you to support missions. He never led you to midweek service. But as soon as your wife says, our teenage daughter wants to leave, you feel God leading you. How's that? That plain enough for you? Man, people want a church like ours when their kids are six, seven, eight years old. When they're 16, 17, and 18, there's a whole lot of pushback. You know what? If somebody wants to follow their wife and their, and their teenagers out the door, you can't stop them. And if you did, they'd take more people with them when they finally left. You know what, you know what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy? He said, you just make sure you don't sell out righteousness and holiness to please people that can't be pleased. I mean, once you take one step down for this guy, you're going to have to take another step down for that guy and another step down for that guy. And then pretty soon all you got left is three choruses and a little five-minute sermonette. How are we doing? You encouraged yet? Yes. Trying to cheer you up. <laughs> Works for me, probably not for anybody else. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 10. For Demas... For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Isn't that sad? Demas used to help Paul. He used to minister with Paul. But the world reached back out, got a hold of him, drug him back. Verse 3, time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Sometimes we pass through, we say, I can't believe those people left. They've been here for a long, long time. Yes, but the last two or three years they've been enduring sound doctrine, not enjoying it, enduring it. And they reach the end of their endurance. It happens. Endure sound doctrine. Uh, but after their own lust, so they heap themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they should turn away the ears from the truth, should be turned to the fables. So you know that. You know that. I don't need to dwell on this. We've all had our hearts broken when a man God rescued from alcohol goes back to the bottle, Right? When somebody God pulled out of that life of drug addiction goes back to the drugs. When somebody got saved out of a, out of a false religion slips back into that. We all know that heartache. But it's not just that. Look at ver the rest of verse 10. 
and uh, Christians to Galatia and Titus unto Dalmatia. We don't just lose people that go back out in the world at our church. We got 10 families out of our church on the mission field or in pastorates. Those are people we didn't need to lose. Those were, were rock solid, sound enough people for us to put our hands on them and write a letter to your church and say, we recommend this man help him get to that field. But boy, there's a whole row. Empty. There's people involved in four ministries. Now there's four holes in four ministries. You, you understand what we're saying? Some people die. We've had funerals at our church. We didn't, the reason we didn't uh, lock everything up during COVID is we'd had somebody die every single year since we started our church. I can't come to church. I could get COVID and die. Well, how'd that guy die five years ago? We had his funeral. Four years ago, we had his funeral. Three years ago, we had their funeral. They, just, they got this sign in our, in our town in front of the highway patrol office, and it, put, it posts the number of people killed on the highways for the year. And I would go to church every Sunday, and I would read the number of COVID deaths in our county and the number of highway deaths in our county. And I said, if you're going to quit serving God because of COVID, you need to get rid of your car. you got a better chance of dying driving to church than you do once you get there. That's not political. That's just me voicing my opinion. Your pastor can clean that up. Bring us back up here. You know what else, we, you know what else happens to us? Uh, people, this amazing thing, they say... I've been living in Toledo all my life, and four months out of the year, it's so cold you can't go out of the house. I'm going to move to Florida, where for six months out of the year, it's so miserable you can't go out of the house. And three of the six months that aren't miserable, the bugs are out. We have more bugs in Florida than the Smithsonian Museum has in their, in their natural history display. And so what people do, they move down there and say, oh, oh, man, I love this. I love Florida. I love this church. Preacher, we're here till the Lord comes. No, they're here till two hurricanes come, and then they're moving to Tennessee. <laughs> their children get married. They move to Texas. They miss their kids. They see them at Christmas. They see them at Thanksgiving. Then their kids have babies. Guess what they're doing? They're moving to Texas. Is there a good church there? Don't know. There's a grandbaby there. Look, here, here's what I'm telling you. Pray, preach, love, visit, pour your heart into people. They're leaving. Some for bad reasons, some for good reasons, some they're going to lie because if they told you why they're really leaving, you'd laugh at them. People just leave. What do we do? Chapter, chapter 4, verse number 5. Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. You know what you got to do? You just got to go in more souls. You can't be a pastor who's not an evangelist. That church was built by door knocking. That church was built by track passing. That church was built by personal witnessing. Now that it's built, if you shut those things down, it's going to die. Not overnight. Yeah. 
Not overnight, but three families go this year, and two families go next year, and one family goes next year, and you have four funerals the year after that, and one day you look around and say, what happened to the church? It's not that all those people left, it's that you quit bringing in reinforcements. You can't prevent people from leaving. But you can prevent people from coming if you stop doing the work of an evangelist. You've got to go after souls. You've got to go after souls. You've got to go after souls or the natural attrition of life will kill your church. Amen. Amen. Just go out and get some more. 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 Amen. You say, preacher, I'm tired. Then step aside. Let somebody else do it. But if you cease to be evangelistic, you're going to cease to be. Amen. So four chapters in 2 Timothy. In every chapter, the pastor of a good church writes to the, to the missionary who founded that good church and says, I've got a problem with those people. And the answer every time was, no, Timothy, the problem is you. Get your heart back in the game. Get your desire back in the right place. Get your focus back where it needs to be. You can't control the other people, but you can control yourself. Make sure you're doing right. If nobody else is doing right, make sure you're doing right. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father. I pray you'd encourage the hearts of men who came to this meeting discouraged, troubled, burdened. Lord, we just get sad. We love the people that go. We, we, we're, our hearts are broken when we see people. Some go to heaven. It breaks our heart. Some move away. We're so sad. Some, Lord, cause trouble. Oh, how it disrupts our lives. And God, then, then the devil moves in. Maybe it's the flesh. Maybe it's just our, our wrong thinking, and we want to give up. Lord, please, as Paul told Timothy, would you speak to all of our hearts tonight and urge us to keep going in the right way, even if others do not. Help us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor.